Welcome to Q Talks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Q Talks. I'm Paras Arora, and I'll be hosting this podcast series by Q Desk, a one-on-one chat with industry top professionals who are shaping and building flexible workspace ecosystem. My guest today is Varun Gopinath. Varun is head sales WeWork India. Varun is an ISB graduate and has really versatile and evolved corporate career. He started with established firms like IBM and Accenture, then moving to Startup World with Snapdeal and Lending Card, and now he's with New Age Disruptive platform or a format called WeWork. WeWork is a creator, I would say, of the term co-working in the world. And a lot of people are inspired by WeWork. So this makes me thank you, Varun, for participating and very warm welcome to QDocs. Thank you so much, Paras. I think it's an absolute pleasure to be on this forum and uh, an absolute pleasure to be interacting with you. Uh, thank you for the kind words around WeWork uh, and how we are trying to do our bit in making the world a better place. Um, I would also like to add that, you know, we are extremely happy to be out here having a conversation with QDesk, which has grown considerably well over, you know, the last two to three years. I think the rise of starting up a brokerage system, which is completely online, and trying to break the barriers, bring out innovative solutions, and create a lasting impact is something that this industry was definitely looking forward to. And I think QDesk as a company, which is doing this pretty well uh, over the last couple of years. So thank you so much. Uh, Would love to share the insights and even learn more from you over the course of our discussion today. Thank you, Varun, so much for this encouragement and kind words coming from WeWork and leader in WeWork. So... Uh, really, really excited to have you. I think not only me, all the listeners would love to learn from you. You have such an established corporate career. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, should we start with the you know, first question I have? Sure, Paras. So Varun, how do you see Flex business post-lockdown? In fact, I would like to break it in two horizons. Uh, short-term says next six to nine months and long-term horizon, say nine months to 36 months. What is your take on this? So, Paras, I think the way we need to look at this is the COVID situation has impacted every industry within our country as well as globally. We need to understand that the prevailing crisis that we are in right now will give rise to a lot of innovative solutions and a lot of practices around safety, hygiene, flexible workspaces, uh, to say the least. Now, companies going forward, so at least in the short and the medium term, will start looking at reducing their dependence on utilization of office premises and resources, which is fixed assets that a lot of companies have. And they would move more towards a situation where there is a bigger consideration set for flexible working schedules, uh, typically based on the kind of rosters that companies come out with. I think the idea that we should definitely think more about is How is it that companies are going to modulate uh, the working style as well as the work timings of a lot of employees that they have? How is it that they inculcate a lot of the changes that COVID has brought in into our work styles and our working atmospheres? 
employees will definitely start demanding higher standards of health, hygiene at the respective workplaces. And unlike in the past, this could definitely be a very big deal breaker if the employee's expectations are not met. I think this also provides a very massive opportunity for flexible workspace providers because in this scenario, a lot of companies are also thinking about cash conservation, managing the P&Ls, having a long-term view in terms of sustainability, in terms of uh, long-term profitability. And at this moment, the biggest advantage that people would like to take would be in terms of the capital expenses that they put in for building their workspaces. The corporate world may be forced to revisit some of the requirements that they have uh, with the employee personal health as well as the hygiene of the workspace being as one of the topmost priorities for the assets as well as for their employees. So I think in, in the near and medium term, you will see a lot of changes in terms of the way people work, the way people look at workspaces. But I think in the long term, you will definitely have newer versions of office space designs, newer versions of asset utilization and diversification, uh, newer versions of having spread out teams as compared to having teams put together in one particular building or asset. I think that for me should be how we should start looking at this uh, today. This is still too early for us. Uh, you know, we are still here with just say close to one and a half months of lockdown. I think the impact and the changes are more, uh, are some things that we can understand more say over the course of the next two to three months. Absolutely. Uh, I totally concur what you're saying. I mean, it's not that something I can add. I mean, we all are on the same page. But I have one sub question in this. Uh, do you see that the concept of head office or headquarter getting into a shrink mode than moving into, say, what I call a strategic corporate office or a unit where you have data sensitive or probably a leadership team and then uh, most of the teams, I'm talking about enterprises here, uh, most of the teams going to multiple flex or probably bespoke managed office, a little bit of flirtation with work from home. Mm, that's, that's a fairly interesting question, Paras. And I think that's exactly the way when we are looking at it. I think going forward, you will have a lot of asset, the asset diversification that will come in. What I mean by asset diversification is, uh, you will have companies coming out and saying that I don't want all my employees to be in the same building or the same headquarters. People will start looking for options where your offices are more spread out. Uh, flex becomes a very important component in such scenarios because the office demand in terms of spread out offices can be as small as 50 desks in one location to even 200 desks in mm. one location. So I think that is one of the biggest changes that should start coming in over the next six to nine months. Uh, HQ as a concept, I think would still exist, but definitely the strategies in terms of office requirements, office spaces will be divided into having an HQ office followed by having smaller offices, which are closer to say residential blocks uh, spread out across the city so that it's easier in terms of accessibility. And then the third portion would be a portion of the employees moving on to work from home. I think work from home as a concept, I, a lot of people are uh, very bullish about it right now. 
primarily because of the forced innovation that we had to bring in for due to the lockdown coming in, right? But I think work from home can also get tricky after a point of time because companies would also want to look at two important metrics, right? One is productivity of the employee. And number two is, you know, mental health as well as social interactions that people have. So having a large population move into a work from home model is again something that I am not very sure of, but I still feel that it, the numbers should definitely go up from where they are or where they were two months back. Well said. Uh, absolutely. I'm also not a big fan of work from home. I have, my take on work from home is that it's a simple, you know, temporary flirt. Uh, it ensures continuity, but not productivity. I'm very, very confident in that. In fact, I have a case study as well. I mean, uh, recently we got in touch with an enterprise, uh, Indian enterprise, pretty large one. And uh, they always been in a traditional mode, even in tier two, tier three series. Now they've just come that, you know, we are thinking of putting the entire portfolio of one vertical, uh, which is an automobile sector into absolute co-working and flex and the it is it's going to span on you know the portfolio encompasses 48 cities and every city is like you know the requirement ratio is say from 15 desks going up to 200 desks city wise so and and they are they seem to be very very serious about the fact that they're going to do away and not renew their traditional lease and get into co-working so these are very healthy signals for us right no, I think it's important, right? Because see, what is it that organizations are looking at? Because of the COVID situation, because of industries being hit, everybody right now is trying to stabilize and work more towards cash conservation. And cash mm -hmm. conservation also adds up in terms of what are the fixed costs that I have and how can I move my fixed costs to variable costs? I think the example that you took is very similar to a lot of conversations we are having with a lot of companies, you know, across the globe, which primarily is more around how is it that we can help in making your business more sustainable, which comes back to the point that if we are able to provide you with the kind of space that you and your employees require, adhering to every policy or mandate that comes in due to the COVID situation, why mm -hmm. want to invest so much of your money in building your own office or getting locked in for, say, the next five to 10 years in a traditional setup? Because employees right now are looking at ease of access, convenience, and flexibility. And those are the critical problems that I think the co-working industry or the managed office space industry can solve. Absolutely. I think even on Occupy's side, they understand now business needs to be you know, overall flexible which basically means attaching your, uh, you know, future real estate with the business performance. So I just moved to the next one. Uh, this I really want to know uh, what you guys are doing. Virus spread and coming back in action is a parallel reality. How's WeWork handling, you know, what I say is the fear of coming out of the cocoon, where, you know, we are kind of now, some of us are loving this work from home, this relaxed routine, uh, pretty much, you know, hands-on on, you know, when you want to work, when you don't want to work. And then suddenly, in a fear, you have to go back to office. Fear of virus still being, being there. Right. How do you guys handle this? So, Paris, I think the way we look at this is 
how do you tackle the most basic concerns that companies, employees have towards this situation, right? And the idea typically is to review the kind of feedback that we are getting, not just from our members, not just from our clients, but also from our industry partners, which revolves primarily around health and safety, cleaning, uh, construction timelines, as well as a kind of workspace design that we are trying to provide to ensure that aspects of social distancing and hygiene are taken care of. So the way we've looked at this is, you know, particularly broken down into three or four major parts. Number one is access control, which means that we are going to monitor temperature checks as well as have thermometers in place at the entrance for all of our buildings to ensure that there are right checks put in place for every member moving in. Uh, we are also ensuring that we are bringing up systems in place which do not require members to touch surfaces uh, as compared to how it used to be earlier on. Once you do that, the second primary vertical comes in, which is fumigation, sanitization, cleaning, as well as the cleaning frequency. I think one of the things that is very, very important for us is to ensure that cleaning and sanitation for maintaining hygiene ha happens at very high frequency as compared to what it has been, say, over the last one, one and a half years. Which, what I basically mean is that every high touch point, which includes doors, doorknobs, lifts, lift buttons, uh, coffee machine areas, areas where the probability of touches is very high, will be cleaned at a higher frequency of for every 30 minutes as compared to every other place. Uh, say from a collaboration slash social distancing standpoint, which are two different ways of looking at mm. it, we are making a lot of our events that we run for our community teams online as compared to running them within our spaces. So we've suspended all internal and external events indefinitely. Uh, we're also encouraging members, employees, and vendor personnel to practice social distancing and avoid gathering in large groups and numbers. Uh, access for a lot of our common areas, uh, meeting rooms, have has been redesigned to ensure that, say, 40 to 50% of space is being accessed by people, even in terms of number of people accessing meeting rooms as well as common areas. So we've redesigned our common areas. We are ensuring that lesser number of people utilize the meeting rooms. So our assurance to our members is that our buildings are clean, safe, and completely ready. Uh, we are as invested in your health, safety, and hygiene as you are. And we would ensure that we work towards every single aspect to make you feel the same. Now, this is good. Uh, actually, we were very keen to listen to WeWork on this and the future precautions they are taking. I'm sure a lot of uh, providers who would be listening to this conversation uh, would learn a lot. Any special hardware or software you installed? Um, so, you know, we've actually been very fortunate to be up in the IT curve, um, you know, for, as we have been the industry leaders towards it. So we have a lot of access control softwares already in place. We have a lot of, uh, you know, softwares that allow us to understand the kind of utilization of our spaces. Uh, those things are already in place. Our effort would be to ensure that their utilization becomes far more important during this period of time. Okay. So you're also hinting then 
no beer days no beer fridays absolutely <laughs> okay so you know one question on the you know real estate transaction perspective uh, the whole concept of co-working is on density uh, we all know that a lot of people are in india in the range of 40 square feet per desk to 75 and some are at 100 square feet as well right. uh, when you maintain the social distancing that means on an average it would be you know from 120 to 150 square feet per desk kind of a room you have to create uh, does this mean that there would be increase in price going forward this is very interesting paras because i've i've been having conversations with a lot of industry leaders around the same topic i think the way we are looking at this is more in terms of the fact that we have a problem right now we understand that this problem will persist but is this problem going to remain a constant say in a long term period right the way we make decisions at weaver is primarily decisions that will help us succeed in the long term so coming back to the specific question that you had i would just say that we are working towards every mandate that is coming up from government agencies as well as from the governments that work and describe uh, the policies that needs to be followed around social distancing we are also looking forward in terms of bringing out innovative solutions so that a lot of that cost is not added on to our members uh, so that is why price increase is not something that we are looking at at this point of time brilliant so are you guys back on deal table what kind of deals and office space acquisition dynamics you foresee or other transactions happening for you now um paris for now i think that we are having a lot of discussions with potential clients and members uh these are discussions in terms of growth in terms of taking up newer space but i think to be fair a lot of our clients are also discussing more towards longevity trying to understand how this entire covid situation unfolds so i would love to share more insights on this but i think i would refrain myself from adding more from what i've already said i take that uh, varun just to give you a glimpse on uh, you know as far as we are concerned uh, we are back in discussion uh, it was a you know i would say a reduction of overall you know 30 to 35% on the lead flow but last two weeks have been encouraging so we are back in discussion uh, but i see two kind of phenomena phenomena that the you know requirement size has reduced also uh, there is a question mark on the start date third thing which i have also you know noticed is the budget uh, budget i feel has Uh, out of this fear and vulnerability and no visibility as to when things are going to be normal uh, i see you know kind of a 20% reduction in the overall budget which you used to have as a platform uh, from the seeker side i think from all the conversations that we are having with our clients we've actually not seen a huge reduction in terms of budget i think our clients have been more proactive in trying to understand how is it that we can support them in terms of flexibility as well as uh, trying to merge more into the business plans that they have uh, you know i i agree that there is going to be a very close watch in terms of the timelines uh, for the businesses to take up space but i think this is also the period when a lot of companies 
will come back with a very solid plan on flex. And when you are looking at a flexible offer solution, I think budget would definitely be at par to what you were looking at much before. Because I think even you are aware of this, your spend that you have in a traditional model is much larger than even the current spends that people have in a flexible working space environment. So that is why budget predominantly is not something that we're seeing changing a lot from what it used to be. Absolutely. I think as a format, uh, WeWork definitely is going to attract a lot of enterprises. And for enterprises, flexibility, safety of employees are definitely more important than the budget or a per desk rate per se. Uh, so I'm with you on that. And it's very healthy and music to ears when you say that people are talking more on the flexibility side. Uh, and you also mentioned that, you know, flex is now a very serious strategic decision for them. Because before COVID, or I would say, you know, till early 2019, for a lot of enterprises, they wanted to understand flex. Now, suddenly the seriousness is there where they are actually thinking and implementing flex and it's going to be part of their office space strategy, or I would say re-strategy. Absolutely. I think it's, see, it's, it's more about looking at, uh, you know, looking at avenues and opportunities that come up because of changes in the environment. Uh, you know, this is, I'm just going to take a leaf from our conversation yesterday. Uh, there were, you know, different situations, different economic situations enable certain businesses and business lines to draw more innovation as well as draw parallels in terms of providing solutions which will last for a longer time. I think flexible workspaces is at the tipping point right now. This is the kind of demands that can come in. This is the type of flexibility that a lot, lot of clients are looking at and even asset diversification plans that a lot of enterprise as well as you know SMB companies are looking at. I think the time is pretty good from a flexible workspace standpoint. Wouldn't you agree if I say that the way demonetization did to digital payment platforms, is it for flexible workspace, this situation? Paras, I would love to wish that that is true. But I think, um, I, I'm not really sure. I think it is, mm. I think only time will tell. The next two months are going to be the defining moments. Uh, I've been having a lot of conversations with my counterpart based out of China. And we're already seeing a massive change, at least in China, in terms of the kind of demands that have come in, the kind of growth that the Chinese market has seen, especially in the commercial real estate industry. Uh, I hope with all my heart that, you know, we can draw a very similar parallel for flexible workspaces. But I think I'll just keep my fingers crossed and pray for the best. Me too. Uh, let's move to the final part of the business or a formal questionnaire. Uh, you have body of experience from quite established firms to startups and now to real estate. What did you love and learn in all these organizations? Um, so I think, you know, I was, I was thinking about this and I think the most important way that I can look at my experience as well as my learning is 
I think, defined in three major points. I think all the startup experience that I've had, along with experience with large enterprises, has taught me a learning agility, which means if you want to be successful, you need to be very agile in terms of learning newer things, because learning is the only constant which is always going to be there. It allows you to pick up new things. It allows you to be more adaptable to newer situations, newer businesses. And it also enhances the way you view business. It enhances the way you look at what needs to be achieved and what all are the things that go behind bringing that success for your business. I think number two is, um, you know, excelling in ambiguous situations. I think the common thread across all startups is ambiguity. Every startup or every company which is in early stage or growth stage is trying to identify a lot of solutions, but with lesser data uh, and also in a situation where ambiguity is very high. So ability to take the right decisions, even in ambiguous situations, I think that is one of the biggest learnings that startups provide. And I think that is something that I pride myself with across all the experiences that I've got from Snapdeal, Lending Cart, and now at Weaver. I think the third point would be in terms of donning multiple hats, mm. which means that at a startup level or at a startup atmosphere, you might be like, take your example, right? You started off QDesk after moving from the brokerage community. So you came in, you have donned multiple hats from being somebody who does sales, from somebody who manages business. At some portion of time, you would have done some finance. You would have donned the hat of being a business development professional and things like that. I think startups provide you with the opportunity of taking up multiple roles, trying to accomplish multiple tasks because everything is so interlinked. So that is why the exposure that you get in terms of working in a high growth, diverse startup enables you to be successful faster as compared to any, any other place. Um, and lastly, yes, I think the last most important is, you know, teamwork, collaborative working. I think what I have been fortunate enough to learn has come majorly because of the kind of people that I've worked with and also because of the kind of bosses that I've had. And this brings in a lot more positivity as well as better way of working in what you do every single day. Because you are with a peer set as well as with uh, a set of experienced managers from whom you're learning day in and day out. Uh, that makes it very exciting. And you know that everybody in there is putting in more than their 100% to ensure that you are successful. So yeah, I think that should summarize uh, my experiences and learnings from my past experiences. Absolutely great. If someone asked me this question, I would say the same. In fact, now I would mimic you. So uh, absolutely correct when you mentioned as a, you know, what you learned from a startup when I also came from, you know, established brokerage outfits and firms, IPCs. And when I started my own business, you know, one thing which I loved is ability to make decision, even if it's raining outside and it's dark, uh, ability to act fast, 
Great, uh, Varun. How about we move a little personal? Uh, I just, I'm curious to know that one thing you really learned and unlearned during lockdown. Ah, that's that's a fairly interesting one. Um, I think one thing that I learned was cooking. I've always been dependent on someone or the other in terms of food, but I think the lockdown taught me how to cook my own food, not just any food, but cook very delicious food. So I think that is something that I learned and I'm really proud of. Um, in terms of unlearning, yeah. um, hmm, I think in terms of unlearning, I would say that I've always been a person who looks at the bigger picture, breaks it down into smaller pieces and tries to, you know, tries to forecast and look at how is it that every piece can impact what you're trying to achieve. Hmm. Um, I think one of the things that I have unlearned is more in terms of the fact that you cannot predict every single thing that can happen. There are so many things and so many variables that are outside of your control. And that finally requires the fact that it's, it's about understanding when you can stop and when you can take a step back and look at the entire story unravel as compared to trying to fix it as soon as you see the first bump coming in. Mm, interesting. Varun, what is that place you would like to visit when all this is over? Uh, firstly, I would like to visit my parents in Bombay. That is the first place I would like to go. Um, aside to that, I think I would... So my recent vacation was to Zanzibar. Uh, Tanzania and Zanzibar. Right. Yeah, if I get a chance, I would like to go back, go back to Serengeti and Gorongoro. Uh, I think the amount of peace that that place provides with the wildlife all around is something that I would definitely like to experience once again. Wonderful. One book which you can read again and again, or a movie you can watch again and again. Hmm. All right, so from a book standpoint, I think one of my favorite books is Cain and Abel. Um, it's, it's a brilliant story about two different individuals growing up in post-World War era and you know, surviving and making it big within the US. Uh, it's a brilliant book. If you get a chance, you should definitely read it. Cain and Abel. I think from a movie standpoint, I think I would watch Shawshank Redemption over and over again. It's, it's all about perseverance. It's about being tenacious. It's about, you know, in spite of every single thing going wrong in your life, you still manage to put your head down and dig through that wall and get out of your misery. You find solutions for your own problems and do not rely on an external factor to help you out. I think that is my biggest takeaway from that movie. I think it's a brilliant movie. The way you have explained is, I think, exactly the way director would explain. Very beautiful movie, no doubt about that. Thank you so much, Paris. What You know, one advice for budding sales leader. Um, you know, I, I would just reiterate what I tell my sales leadership teams. Um, number one, you will always see problems. Your work, your teams, your clients, your business partners, nobody is going to be perfect. So instead of trying to fix those things, try and accept it. 
we live in an imperfect world. We live in a world which is chaotic, which is ambiguous. The idea is to accept that and find a solution by working around it, working along with it. That's number one. Uh, number two is, as a salesperson, our job is to provide the best solution to our clients. The best salespeople are the people who sell without people realizing that they are selling, which means that your pitch as well as your research on your client should be so high that when you're speaking to the client, the client looks at you as a partner and not as someone who's trying to push their product for some gains or the other. Because, you know, unless and until you're able to provide value to your clients through the products that you're selling, you might get away with one or two sales elements, but you will never have a business which is sustainable. So having a product that solves a problem and ensuring that you are thinking about your client first. So in a way that the product is solving a problem for the client and will be advantages for the client. Those are the elements that make the best salespeople within the world. Brilliant. I'm going to use some of that. Definitely. I think effortless selling, uh, I got a little clue from what you said. If we can make the whole process effortless, I think we have very effective closures. Uh, that's what I've seen when I'm really not really pitching, when I'm not really selling a concept, when I'm not really, you know, highlighting this versus this, and I'm just in the flow, then I feel that, uh, you know, this is the best sales I've done. No, absolutely, Paris. And I think sales is a very relationship driven effort, right? Because at the end of the day, you, you know, you cannot sell without building a relationship and you cannot build a relationship without being transparent without building trust, uh, without the other person feeling that you do care about what they want and what is it that they want to accomplish. So these are typically the most important elements that you should have in your sales pitch. Because if you're not honest, trust me, people will see through it. And the world is smart. And I, I assume that every salesperson is very smart. So unless and until you're able to build a strong relationship, mm. which is built on trust, you, mil you might be successful mm. in the short term, but success in the long term is never guaranteed. Absolutely. Okay. Varun, what is India for you in one word? Home. Lovely. Yeah. Home. India for me is pride. India for me is uh, a true democracy. I think I am, I am so proud of, you know, being out here. Being in this country, it's not easy for us as a country to manage a virus of, uh, you know, the virus which is so strong and which has been spreading so heavily. I think we took the right call in terms of shutting our borders, in terms of ensuring lockdowns are followed. Uh, I think it's, it's also a place where I have a lot of respect for our fellow citizens because we are a democracy at the end of the day. And it is not easy to impose a law for the individual of that country. Um, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, we might not have the best healthcare infrastructure system, but we've, able, we've been able to identify and at least work towards setting up the right structures and just to ensure that the infrastructure as well as are much better. We are in a position today uh, because of some of the decisions that we took. 
and I hope that we are able to sustain and do better as a country uh, with our economy booming back. Lovely. We all are proud Indians. I loved your immediate first spontaneous answer. Home. Ye mera ghar hai. Absolutely. This leads me to conclude the session. I think it was a brilliant session. Thank you so much, Varun. I got inspired not with one or two sentences or phrases you made. I think the overall impact of your, you know, answers and you know your discussion points is very profound. As far as I'm concerned, I think people who would be listening to this podcast, they would feel the same. Thank you so much, Varun. Thank you so much, Paris. It was an absolute pleasure to be here. And I love the conversation that we've had. And thank you so much for the opportunity.